Welcome to this week's episode of Into the Known. We're starting this episode just a little bit differently. Our topic today is language, but before we dive into that, we wanted to share the results of our Law of Attraction experiment. Up next is a short description of our findings. Enjoy. <laughs> like which one of us should start? <laughs> I'll, I'll start. I'll start. You're going to have to keep, keep that yeah. in. Keep that in. <laughs> Okay, so we were doing a follow up. So the last episode, we talked um, about the law of attraction. And we said, we're going to do an experiment. And I believe Cindy, you said, I want to see an owl. And I said, I wanted to see that golden bee that I saw um, one time here in California. Uh, so I'll, I'll let you go first, Cindy. But what was the result of your experiment of attracting an owl into your life? Well, wanderers, here, here's a funny story, caveat, before I share about the owl. So when Lisa and I were discussing what we wanted to have manifest, I said, what keeps coming to mind is a snake, but I really don't want to see a snake. <laughs> Which was why I picked an owl. What I had forgotten was that I was going to be going hiking at a, a local a local trail, not super local actually. It was a two hour drive. Um, I was going to be going hiking the next day with one of my friends. So we're out on the hiking trail, and she points and goes, "Oh, there's a snake!" And I flipped. Out. I was like, <laughs> I, "She didn't. She knew. She knows what we're doing, but she didn't know what I had said I wanted to see." So there was this black gardener snake. Literally the day after that, I had said it. I didn't want it to be a snake, but you know. I'm really good at manifesting animals. So to answer the question about the owl, if you recall, I said it didn't need to be an actual owl in the tangible world. It just needed to show up somehow. Lisa, as you recall, I, uh, I took a picture on my iPad a couple hours after we recorded that episode uh, because I was scrolling through edit, Reddit and there was somebody had posted a picture of an owl at a zoo. So that was literally the next day. Then throughout the entire week, owls showed up in weird ways. Um, they showed up in my Instagram feed, on my personal Instagram account. They showed up in a video game I was playing that has never had an owl in it before. So I was looking for it in places I wouldn't normally see it. And I got I got my answer. I got my wish. I threw my, my coin in the fountain and I got it. <laughs> so I was able to get my owl. I also do take into consideration that there is a degree of just becoming more aware of the owl. But the Reddit one was the one that I was like, oh, this is weird. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> it's just scrolling through on a channel that there was no reason for it being mm -hmm. there. What about you? Did you get to see that marvelous thing? Um, you know, it's not in real life. But man, every time I sat down to meditate, that bee was like right there in my face. <laughs> Like, hey, hi, here I am. <laughs> I just kept seeing it. <laughs> but um, in real life, actually, I saw because I looked it up, but I think it's called the valley. It's a valley something bee. Um, but I did see the female version of that bee, which is black, but you know, still same, same family. So you saw the same bee, but different gender mm -hmm. or different mm -hmm. sex. Yep. Okay, so both of us saw what we wanted. Yes. Yes. Okay, Wanderers, we need to hear your stories. Can you please email us what your experiment was and what successes or failures you might have experienced? Um, you can email us at cindy at intothenown.com. That's C-Y-N-D-I, because I am like Cindy Lauper, at intothenown.com. And we want to hear what your experiments were like. 
That's it for our bonus recording. Up next is our regular episode. Welcome to Into the Known, a podcast focused on helping you find the known within you. With you today are your hosts, myself, Lisa, and Cindy. And today we're going to talk about some of the language that we use. So Lisa, do you ever take for granted when you start talking about something to somebody and you get that awareness, you stare at them long enough that they have no idea what you're talking about? Yes. Uh, Yes. (laughs) I'm like, I just assume everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) So last week I was... Uh, sending an email to somebody I'm doing some consulting work on. And he is old school archaeologist. I think I've mentioned him to you before. I think I've probably mentioned him on the show. And I said something about having just completed a guided meditation on on the emotion of fear. And I was ready to dive into tangible things. And in my head, this was like a very normal statement, right? And his response was, well, that's not something you read every day. And then whatever he had said after that reminded me that I am so used to talking about things, I don't define my terms anymore. And I think part of that is way too much higher education where all you do is define your terms. And then part of it is just living in my own world, not thinking about other people. Yeah, that that is my trap is I just assume everyone knows exactly the point of view and where I'm coming from. And I forget that. Not everybody lives in my world. <laughs> so I appreciated when you were doing some of the edits that you you sent that message of like, hey, we might need to define some of our terms. And so this is very much going to be out of order because I suspect we're going to make this one one of the first episodes, maybe the third or fourth. So people can have an understanding of what it is that we're trying to talk about and do. Right. Yeah, because we both have been you know, trained to look at things from a clairvoyant perspective. And in the curriculum of where we learned what we, we do, there is a language. So there's a vocabulary that was created to, you know, sort of express ideas and uh, describe how things, the process of things. So, and we just sort of drop them like little bombs in our... <laughs> in our podcast. So we thought it would be a good idea just to explain some of the words that we use. So you're not totally in the dark. And we'll do our best to kind of equate them to language you might be more familiar with. I know within psychology and the social sciences kind of as a whole, some of this language just I'm one of my best friends is the therapist. So I know that these words translate really well. And I really appreciate that I have the awareness and the ability. Awareness is one of the words on our list. Yes. <laughs> I, I am conscious that there is some bridge and some other words we might use to describe some of this. So I think that's going to be helpful as well. And Agreed. yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm curious, you're the friend that is the psychologist. Did I get that right? Yeah. yeah okay. Therapist. What, um, what were some of the words that you that bridged across? So triggered was one of them. How we talk about being lit up in psychology, we would say triggered. Another was pictures. And it there wasn't a direct word for word, but it was more about memories and experiences mm. and that were stuck or trauma traumatic experiences that were stuck trauma was another one which i think we would say is pain 
And then grounded kind of seemed to span both. And then the way in which some therapies, and I would have to honestly talk to her because I do not want to bastardize this for people, but some therapies have similar, have very specific techniques, like cognitive behavioral therapy has very specific techniques that translate to some of the healing work that we have been trained in doing and that we do ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fascinating. Maybe I'll see if I can get another conversation with her in at some point. Um, yeah. Because I'm sure we'll have another language question later. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. So where do you want to start? Well, I like that you said awareness. So let's start at awareness because I feel like that's where it sort of begins is what the heck is awareness? Because we say it all the time. Put your awareness on whatever. And, and when I was sort of thinking about my training and what I've been taught, when I broke it down to like, what would be the beginning for me, it would be that idea of awareness. So for me, awareness is concentrated focus, in a way, right? So when you say put your awareness on your toes, you're putting your thought and focus on your toes. And so you can take that idea and sort of run the gamut with it, you can put your awareness on whatever you want. So that I think that was number one for me. And within that, two things come up for me. One is attention. And so when mm-hmm. you just said, put your focus on your toes, I was like, oh, put your attention on your toes. And the other is consciousness. Put your consciousness on this space. And within awareness, and I know we've talked about this um, both online and offline, you are where your awareness is, right? So if you are reading something in some aspect of self, one could argue that your consciousness is in that time frame that you're reading about. So if you're reading a social studies book with your fourth grade student and you're learning about the gold rush, one could argue that your awareness is in the time frame of the gold rush, which might be taking that word a little too far, but I bring attention to it or awareness to it, or I'm pointing it out right now, just because we do use it in that capacity from time to time. And so awareness for me is consciousness, focus, attention. Where is your attention? Are you, and I think in hand in hand with that and not necessarily on our list is present time. And so Mm -hmm. we talk a lot about awareness being in present time or something being in present time. And all that means to me personally is in the actual moment. So right now we're recording on a Sunday with a particular date at 11 a.m. And so if I said something about present time, I would mean this Sunday at 11 a.m. And so if I'm in the middle of daydreaming or doing some sort of work of some sort and my awareness is somewhere else, a good way for me to bring my focus back to my myself and, and this moment is kind of being aware of present time. That might be going a little bit further than anticipated with awareness, but it all kind of connects in my head. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I feel like you can get lost in a memory like of something that happened in the past and you're sort of reliving that moment and you're not where you are right now. So for instance, I could be sitting out in the back patio and my mind starts to wander and I start to remember something that happened to me as a kid. You know, I'm back there. I'm back in that time when I was a kid. I'm not, I'm no longer sitting in my patio. (laughs) I mean, I am, but my awareness is not. (laughs) And I think that 
you know, that's something you and I might both take for granted that we do put our attention fully into something like I think we could argue it's as close to 100% as the human brain can go. And I think I know I take that for granted when I start talking about a memory and I have this conversation with somebody that doesn't do this work. They don't automatically go back to that moment in time. But after over a decade of training, I think my brain and my awareness and my consciousness all naturally do it because of so much meditation. And Mm -hmm. it's not such a step-by-step process as bringing a newbie into a trance-like space or explaining it. So also that awareness has another layer of how much information we can have and how we can understand our 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 ability to have it right yeah meditation was key for sort of teaching me how to harness I guess you'd say or be able to have more awareness of my awareness (laughs) are we gonna say this term until it doesn't have any sort of meaning to either one of us anymore exactly we're just gonna keep repeating it (laughs) so if we were gonna talk about psychology. Um, I'll just, I'll use social sciences loosely, but really it's psychology. I think awareness is, is the equivalent. We use it the equivalent as attention, focus, consciousness. I don't think there's any other synonyms there for me. No, I agree with you. That's where I land. So energy. I know. Oh God. I use it all the time. (laughs) You know, man, it's the energy, dude. It's the vibe. <laughs> That's right. I hate that word for the record. I hate the word vibe. There's a lot of reasons why I don't like it. I'll leave it to your imagination to figure it out, but it's just not a word I enjoy. No, I get it. I get it. You know, it's funny. Like, I never, when I, as a kid, I, I so remember this. I remember walking into a room, like I was at a neighbor's house or whatever, and I walked into the room and I just felt uncomfortable. Like, I was like, something. Mm, I don't, I don't like this room. Like, I don't like what's going on or whatever. So I sort of picked up on, quote, unquote, the energy of the room. And, you know, there something, something went down, maybe an argument, maybe something, who knows. But, you know, in my mind as a child, I was just like, oh, I just don't like this. But as I, you know, grew and learned, and sort of began to understand what I was perceiving, I started to, to to equate this word energy with what I was sensing and feeling and you know knowing and and for me it as I was as I've learned along the way I feel like energy is sort of like the basic building blocks of everything <laughs> you know it's sort of like the the beginning <laughs> of 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 the the beginning of the beginning <laughs> Well, you know me, and I'm always going to look things up. So in physics, according to our good friend Wikipedia, and if you are a student, Wikipedia is a great starting point. It is not citable. Do not cite it in your paper. In physics, according to Wikipedia and the Britannica Encyclopedia, is Britannica? Not sponsored at all. In physics, energy is the quantitative property that must be transferred to an object in order to perform work on or to heat the object. Yeah. It is a conserved quantity. The law of conservation of energy states that energy can be converted in form, but not created or destroyed. I don't think that's the kind of energy we're talking about, but I think it points a little bit towards what we're talking about in the whole, it can't be created or destroyed, and there's a work aspect to it. Right. Yeah. 
exactly. That's the two things that I picked up too. You can transform it. You can't destroy it. And uh, it is sort of an engine behind things in a way. So for me, energy is, there's a consciousness to energy that's not talked about in physics that I add into it. So that is very much part of my definition, but there's an awareness or consciousness since we've already defined awareness, I can say that. And sometimes it's an unconscious awareness, meaning it's there and it can be communicated with but not necessarily without a lot of effort. And so when you talk about walking into that room when you were younger and just knowing something had happened, there's an energetic echo there that you were picking up on. I think you could have engaged with it if you wanted to, if you had your clairvoyant skill set when you were younger. Mm -hmm. And my starting point, and this is what I tell everyone when I try to explain my ideology, is that everything is built of energy. Every Everything in the world that we understand that's tangible. Everything in the world that's intangible and everything we don't understand is built from energy. Mm-hmm. And that energy can have a, a consciousness that can communicate with those who want to have that filter removed. And so my other side of my standing point in regards to energy is that as a human being, because of the amount of information we're perceiving each second, We have to have natural filters to stay sane or to function. And one of them is to not be so aware of the energy all of the time around us. And so part of our practice is tuning into the energy that for our entire life we filtered out. And I have a whole theory about this as it relates to other things. And and maybe someday we'll, we'll go down the path of um disorders and and psychology and everything but for me energy is like you said it's the building blocks of the universe and i will add in for myself there there can be this consciousness and i mean i think we all when we do clairvoyant reading which is on our list of things to define we hit unconscious energy but once you start communicating it typically has an awareness to it mm-hmm Let's see if I can use all of our words today in a single sentence that still makes sense. <laughs> I love it. You know, I was watching what you were describing. It was funny. The natural filters and things so that you stay sane. I was watching um, Sherlock. It was the one with Robert Downey Jr. And it was one of the last, I think it's the last one they did. And he's in this ballroom dancing with this woman. He's looking around and the woman asks him, what are you looking at? What do you know? She said, what do you see? And he goes, I see everything. And that is my curse. And I was like, oh, he has no filter. <laughs> like, that's the whole idea. <laughs> of, so, yeah, go yeah. ahead. That's one of the first questions always asked when I describe myself as an energy worker is, can you turn it off? That is a great question. And I, I struggled with that question growing up because I was so sensitive to emotion. Like, it was so loud to me. Like, anyone's emotion. Like, for instance, I'd be in a grocery store and a little you know, baby would be start crying. And I would be like, Oh, my God, that's so painful. That is so painful. (laughs) And then I was like, and then somewhere I read about people that were stoic. And I'm like, Yes, I want to be stoic. (laughs) I don't want to feel this anymore. So I tried really hard to be stoic, but that didn't really work out. (laughs) Lucky for us, she's not stoic. Don't worry. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And then well, then I landed where I landed. And I started learning about, you know, chakras and that's, you know, another one on our list. Go, there. go, go to chakras. <laughs> yeah. Go there. Yeah, that's true. It's sort of tied with energy. 
Um, so what, the, in, in my opinion, chakras are energy centers that are in the body. So there's seven of them in the body. There's more, but we'll just stick with the ones in the body. And each energy center in the body is, is attributed to a certain set of experiences. So first chakra would be about survival in the body. Second is about emotions and your emotional well-being, sexuality, things like that. Third is how you distribute your, your energy, et cetera, et cetera. So when... You can look all of these up on the internet. You, don't worry. You can. They're, it's everywhere. <laughs> so for me, you know, I was sort of, I was functioning out of my second chakra and I was feeling my way through the world. So, I was just going to ask you to explain what that meant yeah. to our listeners. Right. Wonder. Yeah, yeah. So it, when I wanted to learn something as a kid, I would sort of feel it out. So what does that feel like to me? You know, what does this room feel like to me? What does this person, how does this person feel to me? Do they feel safe? Do they feel angry? Do they feel sad? They were... So when I was sort of walking through the world and experiencing my world, I would feel it. And that's why, I, and so I had turned up my second chakra really loud. So, um, and that's, did I say that right? Second chakra, really high, not loud. <laughs> that's what made everything so loud. So when I finally got to my training program, I realized that if I shifted my awareness, here we go, up into my sixth chakra, which is all about seeing the world from uh, your a clairvoyant center, your third eye, um, from from a little bit distance from the body. So you're not quite as, you're in the body, but you're not functioning from a body level. It was a lot easier and that second chakra could turn down and the emotions could, you know, be softer. So chakras are energy centers mm -hmm. in the body. Right. And we're discussing them in relation to how we read energy. And you just described what we were both taught to do. And also within that realm of energy and chakras is the aura. And so I defined the aura as your personal bubble. There's so much information in there, so much information. But when I'm doing a, a guided meditation with newbies or people that can't have the woo-woo, I always say just see that personal bubble and bring that to this color. See that personal bubble and, and define it with a symbol. And the aura is built from the chakras and like we we could absolutely talk about this for days but I don't think it's that interesting and you can you can google it if you want the technicalities of how this works and it's not something I've ever been super interested in but if you are Lisa we can definitely go down the rabbit hole but your aura contains way more information than your chakras but it's that energy field around your body and if you know what your personal bubble is, it's the equivalent of your personal bubble in my book. You might feel differently. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's your it's your personal bubble. And it's sort of that first interface with the world around you, right? So it's sort of like the, <laughs> not the drone, I don't know. It's sort of that forward guard that goes out and interacts with the world before it kind of hits your body. Um, scouting party. Yeah, there you go. Scouting party. <laughs> I was definitely like listening to you for edits, another one of our podcasts, which is why that's in my brain. <laughs> so for me, the aura is the scouting party or the reconnaissance or the first interaction you have with the world around you. So when you're interacting with a person, that interaction starts in the aura and then kind of come, you know, in, gets runs through some filters and then gets to the body and then you interact with this person. Sort of my idea of the, the bubble. And it holds a lot of information, right? Mm -hmm. So 
when you hear us talking about, well, let's just dive into a clairvoyant reading. When we talk about doing a clairvoyant reading, what we are doing is we're looking at from a trance space, we're looking at energy. And when I'm doing a reading with a client, I'm looking specifically at their energy field or the layers of their aura amongst a thousand other things. And to me, the aura just has so much information. And so you could spend hours reading someone's aura if you wanted, but to kind of shift gears into a clairvoyant read, a clairvoyant read is really using that third eye to see the intangible energy. And for me, much of my life, I was using my second chakra, like you, Lisa, doing that feelings empathic aspect, using my clairvoyance to see things that were intangible, and then relying so beyond heavily on my my knowingness, which is at the crown chakra. And I, I have so many vivid memories. So I grew up in a time when gifted and talented was like a really big thing. So gate was like a big school thing. I think they've shifted out of that. I think they really found that defining people's academic success at such a young age is not always in people's best interest, but I could be wrong. In retrospect, what I realized is that much of my K-12 education, if not all of it, relied so heavily on my knowingness. So I would know things But if you asked me to do things in a logical manner, sometimes it was really challenging. So teachers didn't know what to do with me. I I technically could be in these gifted and talented spaces, but I didn't have the same IQ as my classmates. And for those class for those for those types of things, you would have to take an IQ test. Mm. And I never scored even now. If I take an IQ test, I don't score very high. But it to me doesn't mean I'm not intelligent. It just means that I'm using my intelligence in a way that's different from what other people are using. So I remember during grad school, my then undergrad best friend was living with me, and we were out. like at a bar or something and she was sharing with my friends that I make stuff up all the time and she was like Cindy just makes stuff up all of the time like you never know what's real and I just thought like do you really think that's what I do because that's not what I'm doing and it really gave me a complex and my response was but how often am I wrong and she looked kind of dumbfounded and then my other friend said like what's her tell how do you know when she's making stuff up and it really invalidated me for like a solid year and then one day my knowingness, like the ability to just automatically know something and have information at my fingertips without having to do any sort of study on it. I don't remember what the incident was, but it was such a necessity and made sure that I was successful in what I was working on that I realized that other people's perception of my intellect and how I I make sense of the world no longer mattered. So what I realized afterwards was that that invalidation that I can't just use my knowingness was complete balarky. And I just went back to just making things up. And when people were like, are you making it up? I'd be like, yeah, I am. But am I right? And then they would look it up and they'd be like, wait, you are right. And I'm like, you pick up information wherever. I couldn't just say, oh, I'm just reading the energy from an unconscious way and it's coming into my brain and I'm telling you why this is the way it is. But it was really important for me to understand, like, part of of the creation of Into the Known, right, is for me to re-understand all of my, my life and my experiences and part of my journey, my clairvoyant journey, 
has been to restructure those experiences. And so my K-12 experiences were much easier for me to digest of why I could I could get straight A's on everything without really studying, but then couldn't get the IQ level that I was supposed to have or mm-hmm. was expected to be in these like specialized programs. And so I don't care now. I'm like, hmm, I'm good. Whatever. It works. It works for me. So... Yeah, I know. I was going to say, like, our training, I feel like gave us a framework and a language to talk about our experiences where before we didn't really have have a framework for it. And I remember in um, one of the women's reading that I was running, this woman was getting a reading. And during the break, she came out and just we were just chatting. And she's like, I am so excited because now I have a language and a framework to talk about, to express what I what I experienced, I never had that before. And when she said that, I realized that was my same experience, you know, sort of feeling my way through the world and being so sensitive to emotions made no sense to me until I could find the language to explain what was going on. So I think that's great. Well, from there, can you share a little bit about insight? Because we do use the word insight pretty regularly. And I think that example is a really great lead into that. Mm-hmm. Insight to me is it's kind of it bridges what you were saying about knowingness so it's something that you learn that you know is absolutely true for you and it, it's it, you can also describe it as an aha moment you're like oh i get it you know that that it can also be known as an insight um i just love the word insight it's one of my favorite words <laughs> To me, it's one of the more obvious words that we use. I guess I also took for granted awareness until you brought the attention that perhaps maybe not everyone knew what we meant. But Mm -hmm. insight is kind of the same to me. It's kind of like your ability to find the connection and your answer, if that's what you're seeking, whatever you're seeking, you're kind of able to really find it and that you get this insightful moment. I also just lost everything out of my brain when I was trying to make that sentence. So it could very well have been a circular moment because I don't have a lot of insight on it. <laughs> That's great. It made total sense to me. <laughs> you said connection and that that works. <laughs> Perhaps they need to be more grounded. Perhaps. <laughs> I agree. Another word we love to throw around. <laughs> And all grounded means to me is having, I'm going to, I'm like, how do I use this without using all the other words? I'm going to say it the way I would say it to anybody and then I'll try to break it down. So being grounded for me is just having an awareness, being in my body and having a connection to the earth. So to take that one step further, to be in the present moment to the best of my ability in a mindfulness sense, and then to feel connected to the earth in a way that makes me feel like I can almost feel all of the cells in my body. And within that grounded feeling, I have permission to release energy or things that are not mine and are no longer, quote, serving me. Another phrase that's like way too much for me these days. It's everywhere I turn. (laughs) Is it serving you? Is it serving you? Let it go. It's not serving you. What does that even mean anymore? What does it mean? Yeah. Well, I'll just stick with grounded for a second. We won't jump. Take up my mantle. Gosh, Lisa. (laughs) Well, we can jump off that bridge later. Um. (laughs) Quite literally. Right. Because it's no longer, the bridge is no longer serving me, right? So I have to jump off of it. It's got to just jump right off of it. (laughs) Grounding to me seemed like a simple concept, but when you described it, 
I realized it's it's a bit more complex than I re than I initially thought. And for for me, ground it's the same kind of thing. It's sort of getting it's it's a really a body experience for me. So it's getting the body connected and grounded into the center of the earth. So grounding to me is connection. And so the body and the earth they're very similar. The the earth and the body are made of the same stuff, in my opinion. <laughs> So when you get the body connected into the earth, then, and I also like what you said about being in present time. So I am right here, right now in this moment. I'm not, my, my mind's not wandering back to when I was five or what I need to get at the grocery store. It's grounded and in present time in, in that moment. And when you're, when you're able to do that, the body sort of calms down and then you can start exploring other things that you'd like to find an answer for or look at or things like that. So I feel like grounding is the very first step in order to, to start wandering. <laughs> so you can, one can also expand grounding from a more physical science space of like having a grounding cord or a grounding wire. And when I work with people in engineering or people that are much more science focused, I, I do use that illusion of, or illusion? analogy of the the grounding wire and the copper grounding wire and and old school electricity and everything and i i do think it makes a lot of sense to consider your body almost like a, a grounding rod and we have those you know you can create amazing glass in the sand with them if you if you wanted wait what glass in the sand if you put grounding rods according to a movie that i watched when i was younger if you put grounding rods in sand the when there's a lightning storm the lightning will hit the grounding rod and then it creates this beautiful supposedly creates this beautiful glass thing in the sand oh cool i've never tried it because i didn't grow up near the beach or on the east coast where this seems much more plausible because on the west coast we don't have these kinds of lightning storms like you do on the east coast yeah, growing up in um, in the East Coast, lightning rods were kind of a big deal, and like the whole Benjamin Franklin business. You know, I remember going to the Benjamin Franklin museums, <laughs> seeing all about grounding rods. Been there, done that. <laughs> totally remember it. Yeah, so it is a fascinating concept, and it's sort of it is. It's sort of taking that energy, that electrical energy that sort of is in the body, kind of functioning at all times, and connecting it into the earth and just letting that so like a lightning strike goes from the rod to the earth and it keeps harmless like the building that it's on it does no harm comes to it not to say that you know there's going to be harm coming to your body but it's sort of the same idea where there's there's a lot of energy and ideas and thoughts and emotions and everything sort of stirring up in the body and when you ground you just let that whoop, fall down to the center of the earth it just it just goes straight out. I mm -hmm. was listening to a podcast many years ago, and they had tried, um, and I could totally link the podcast if I wanted. They were trying some basic like clairvoyant classes, and when you teach grounding in a clairvoyant space, typically you talk about grounding from the base of your spine to the center of your earth, to the center of the earth. Well, when you work with kids, you automatically have to deal with the scatology of that. You have to talk about you have to talk about the bathroom because that's what kids do and that's how they think. And I remember on this podcast them being like, "Okay, so I'm, you basically just imagine a grounding coming out of your butt like you're pooping it out." <laughs> and I was just like, "Okay." <laughs> and I mentioned that here just so people have like a visual, but maybe not the most appropriate visual, but a visual <laughs> of what we're talking about. 
And it really does kind of become this auto release aspect for you with the intention or assumption that energy would a grounding cord. And I'm just, I'm taking it to the next level, I guess a grounding cord will help you release the energy, all that chatter. It's mm-hmm. not perfect. I wish it was perfect. I totally I wish I could just have that imaginary grounding cord and not have to deal with the chatter of life, but that's not the way it is. No. And then grounding cord, when we say that it's, it's a visualization. So it's a technique you use where you visualize a cord or a tree root or whatever, however you want to see it, just some sort of visual connection between that first chakra and the center of the earth. So that's what we need. And shameless plug right here. If you want a very quick seven minute grounding meditation, check out our Instagram because there's one on there free of charge and it's only seven minutes designed perfectly for your 10 minute break at work. (laughs) Perfect. Shameless plug end. (laughs) Do it. (laughs) You know, another word. uh, Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say. Another word that you said earlier was uh, trance. I don't know if we want to go there yet. I did say trance. So to me, trance is when you quiet your body, you quiet your mind, and you start to, it's a meditative space, and you start to go within, and you are able to look at information in a very different way. There's lots of ways to achieve a trance-like state, and there's different levels of being in trance. So you can be in a really light trance, or you can be in almost sleep-like trance, to me, that's how I understand mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So trans to me, it's sort of um, shifting awareness of your awareness of your thoughts. So you know how thoughts are run through your head all the time. You're like, they're running around. It's taking that shift out of that running around of thoughts and really finding a quiet space in yourself and then looking out from there. So for me, that's where trans. And I think trans is sort of a loaded word. It has some fear around it like if you go into trance like you'll be taken over or something will come in or but when we talk about trance it's really more of like redefining your space and who you are and uh getting grounded and and grounding yourself and getting centered in who you are and then you can look out and there's when you do that it's awesome so when you were talking it made me think of other words that we use and that is the combination of the word picture and the word being lit up or other language could be experience triggered and trauma. So when we talk about pictures, or if you listen to us do a clairvoyant read, or you've had a clairvoyant read with one of us or someone that is of the same ilk as us, we'll talk about pictures. We'll talk about seeing pictures and in your space or, or somewhere. And It's one of those things that I always define when I do a reading to the point where thinking about it and having to define it right now is really challenging. But the way that I see it is that it's echoes of a memory or an experience that are stagnant in your space. And from there, it has gained an energetic charge of some sort that might be causing discomfort in your space. And so part of the clairvoyant reading is saying hello to from spirit to spirit or energetically saying and becoming aware of and bringing attention to that overly charged energetic echo in your space. That's the way I describe it. I think the word picture is helpful. I know when I first learned how to 
consciously read energy, I would see Polaroids. Even now, especially depending upon like how hard the reading is for me, I will see Polaroids. If I'm lucky, I might see short films, but that that's a very specific time frame for me um, or a very specific growth period, um, time of growth for me to have that access. But it's fun. Like, it's cool. And it, it becomes this collection. And, and when I was a kid, that is what I was so fascinated by with people is I would look at them and I'd be like, oh, you have all this information around you. Like, and they kind of show up as little little scenarios for me to like pick out at and then get into trouble with because apparently you're not supposed to do that (laughs) right I got in trouble for that too (laughs) yeah for me I think we're gonna have to talk about space too but picture (laughs) picture to me is exactly what you said is a memory it is a a stored memory or stored information and it's it either it, it emanates from your experience or it emanates from something that was given to you. Like as a child, you're taught many things and it, you know, it forms a memory or an infor- information that you go back and, you know, sort of function your life based on these, this, these pictures of information that are in your space, which we'll just, we'll talk about shortly. <laughs> and they, they sort of, they make up who you are. They, you know, all these pictures and memories and bits of information make up who you are and your personality right now, but you are not, you can change them at any time. So if you're not happy with it, you can start working on your pictures and changing them. And before we dive into the next couple words, I just want to point out here in contemporary, in my personal experience with talk therapy, psychotherapy. Um, this is a lot of what I have worked with and and anecdotally what I hear people work with is really to, to, at the bottom, at taking out all of the emotion from it is de-energizing these memories or these experiences real or imagined. And they don't, and, and Lisa, you kind of alluded to this, they might have been handed to you or you might have been gaslighted or there might be something about the memory that feels unreal. And because my starting point has me believing in reincarnation, it's easy for me to say, well, that's just a past life energy stuck in my space. And I know I'm so thankful. My overshare of the week and and the podcast is I'm so thankful for my therapist I've worked with for the last six years because we can work through it and use my language and then have her be still comfortable with it because of her language and when we we together take that step back and just say like we're trying to de-energize this experience so maybe it's something that happened when I was six and my grandfather and brother left me at the roller rink to go do something and I'm at the arcade like freaking out (laughs) on my own because you know that's what they did um there were other people there I just don't remember who was there when I talk that out with her we can talk about it in a way that takes the charge off of it and then I can have the information and then it doesn't feel like a burr under my skin. So there's also like for me, when I talk about pictures with clients or friends or, or peers doing this work, it really comes down to like it being an energized thing. And there's likely some sort of information in there for you, whether it's something that you want to heal, like my six-year-old self being freaked out being at the, I think I was actually younger than six, being at the roller rink in the arcade without being able to find those that are supposed to be taking care of me or a past life memory that kind of shows up. 
it's really helpful for me to heal that. And then there's times where there's a picture that just has information. Maybe it's a reminder that I am pretty badass when I want to be, or it's, I did know how to do something at one point and now I'm trying to relearn that skill. Yeah, I agree. They have a lot to teach you, your pictures. (laughs) And everybody's pictures are different. They're fascinating. (laughs) As a reader, (laughs) I am fascinated. Well, you mentioned space. So do you want to explain space a little bit? Yeah. So when we say your space, um, I guess we have to sort of bridge the gap between the spiritual body and the physical body. So the way we were taught and the way we see it is that everyone has an energetic or spiritual aspect of themselves. And then they also have a physical body. So when we say your space, it's a combination of both of those things. So it's your physical body, it's your spiritual body, it's the energy that's around the body. So the aura and the chakras. So everything that encompasses you and makes you you is your space. I think that's a really good definition. I don't have anything to add to that one. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. So um well there's two there's two more one is being lit up or triggered so like briefly when we're looking at space our space each other's space somebody's space or we're looking at pictures there might be a really strong charge on something meaning that there's a height heightened awareness of it and it might be hard to move through and a good example good tangible example is utilize, using my being being left in the arcade of the roller roller skate rink when I was a kid. Well, as an adult, there were times where like I would be lost, you know, pre pre cell phone. Well, no, I had a cell phone as an adult. Um, maybe not as much awareness around cell phones and kind of not being able to find people I'm at an amusement park with or or something of that nature and kind of going back to that moment and suddenly not being able to find somebody as an adult feels much heavier and stronger than when I was than it should right and it's because of that moment from being a child and not being able to find the adults and not being able to find somebody so I'm trying to like show in my very poor example how I could be triggered by an experience based off of previous experiences whether real or imagined from the lifetime that you are physically in your body this time, or if you have a, have the ability to um, think about reincarnation, perhaps it's a past life memory. I So that's that's kind of how I try to understand it. I don't know if I'm, again, I feel like I'm talking in circles. <laughs> no, you're not. You know, it's funny. I had a similar uh, situation happen to me as a kid. I was in Girl Scouts and we had this jamboree somewhere in some park somewhere. And a group of us, were dropped off on this road with a sign saying, you know, Jamboree over here with an arrow. And we were, you know, this was before the flipping sign holders that we have now. (laughs) Well, we were, I don't know, I was probably six or seven (laughs) holding the sign and they forgot to get us. They left us there. And it was like four of us together and they left us there. So I completely understand your, your, your story. And it, it, it manifested, and this is the funniest manifestation. So w- my husband's son and I are in Moab, Utah, and we're doing this hike and we don't have a map, you know, and it's, you know, we read this, the, the map thing and we just said, oh yeah, that looks good. I think we could do this hike. And then towards the end of it, we get toward, we get to the spot and we can't find the trail. We can't, we don't know where it is. 
and or my husband and my husband and my son are running around just doofing around trying to find the trail and I'm panicking like I'm in absolute panic where's the trail where's the trail where's the trail I don't know we're gonna get lost we're gonna get stuck out here like I just went into like level 10 panic A few weeks ago, Lindsay and I went out to Big Basin, and that girl, I mean, I'll hand it to her. She puts up with my not having trust and validation um, in her on a regular basis, and then I'm constantly shown that I should just listen to her to begin with. <laughs> but we're out. We're out on the trail, and we're coming back, and we hadn't planned on hiking that day, and I no cell phone service whatsoever, mm-hmm. and I just did not have faith that we were headed back in the right direction. She kept having to talk me through it and was like no, you're good. No, we're good. We're good. We're good. But same similar panic. And it's the panic of being lost is just very real. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's how, that's how a picture from a childhood can light up and show up in the now. Be triggered. (laughs) Yes. Be triggered (laughs) and put you in level 10 panic. (laughs) So Lisa, there's one more word that I have on my list that I, well, it's your list technically that I want to make sure we bring attention to. And that if you have more, I'm down to talk about them, but that is a being, B-E-I-N-G, also known as a spirit. And we may say being without body, which would be the spirit or a being in a body, which would be like a human or an animal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that one is sometimes hard to get your head wrapped around for those who do not go through the training as we did. (laughs) So to me, a being in a body is simply, let me take a step back. A being for me is the consciousness that energy can have and hold together. So it could be the equivalent of a spirit. It could be the equivalent of your soul and it can be communicative. Now, again, if you are, if your starting point is atheist, this is going to be really, really hard for you to wrap your head around. And I totally respect that, in which case only focus on beings and body, which is humans and animals and anything that has more or less a brain and consciousness. Jellyfish are weird. Jellyfish <laughs> technically I think should be plants and they're not. <laughs> they're weird. But more or less the way I see beings, whether in body or without, is a consciousness. Now, whether or not they have awareness about their consciousness, whether or not they're an unconscious being, all of that kind of gets a little nitty gritty and maybe outside the scope of this. But that's my understanding and how I typically try to couch it for people. Yeah. I mean, it sort of goes back to that idea that energy, you know, is the building blocks of everything. And then when you add in, you sprinkle in that ingredient of consciousness, that's what we, we it's where you land with the being. So they can be either just pure energy with a consciousness or they can be energy in it with consciousness in a physical form. Okay. So I want to take this one step further. So prior to this episode, we recorded an episode about the law of attraction. And I don't think we use the word being, but I, I want to bring up consciousness, awareness in relation to the universe. And I don't think I went into detail in that episode explaining why I have such a challenge with people handing things over to the quote universe. And for me, it's because I don't actually see the universe as an entity that it has consciousness. I see the universe as the culmination of multiple consciousnesses. And therefore, short of referring to the supreme being, source, theta, God, whatever you want to call that, 
it's really hard for me to see the universe as a single entity that can inform and understand what I do and has any level of interest in in what I want. And instead, I will argue till the day I die that it's my higher self I'm working with. But it gets spoken about like it is an entity of consciousness in a similar way as a being with or without a, a body that we're kind of talking about right now. So I just wanted to make that short caveat. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. The, the, this idea of universe, I, I don't know when I used it for, I used it for a while. <laughs> I did too. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I stopped using it when I got called out on it by one of my mentors and they were like, well, why the universe? And I didn't have an answer. And they said, well, mm -hmm. what happens if you're the one that's in control? And it was when I was doing my ladybug experiment and I was so excited. And I was like, the universe showed my ladybug. I'm so excited. Yeah. And they were like, well, why are you putting all of that agency? They're, my word's not theirs. Why are you putting all that agency, accountability, availability into the universe instead of into another aspect of yourself you're maybe less aware of? Mm-hmm. So I definitely used it was my point. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. And I think I think for me, I sort of landed on um, source, I think is my favorite word, because it's it well, it's not as charged as many other words like God and all the rest of them. <laughs> Funny, because for me, source is so charged. Oh, really? So Source and Theta are so much more charged than God and Supreme Being. Oh, funny. Because, uh, well, growing up Catholic, God oh, is yeah. charged. <laughs> Thank you, Mom and Dad, for not being Catholic. Right. Yeah. So I just, it's it's sort of that, there. it's hard to describe. So for me, I mean, I'm still, as you can tell, learning, figuring it out. But <laughs> um, for me, it's sort of, where does it begin you know, there are things outside of what we perceive that are way bigger than what we perceive like, and what we're aware of. There's much, much more out there. And there's there's somewhere there's a beginning or a root or a, a source where all this sort of emanates from. And we are part of that. So for me, the universe was a way to sort of try to encapsulate all of that into one word. And I think that's probably the struggle is like, how the heck do you encapsulate all of that in a word? That's <laughs> really hard. Well, it's really funny you say that, that there's a starting point because I'm a huge believer of the of Big Bang and, and all of that. But earlier this summer, there was very much a theoretical article that came out that, you know, was was proposing, and this is an idea that's revisited from time to time, that the universe is circular. And so mm. it's a little bit like a Jacob's Ladder, I think is what they, they an anal analogized it to. I don't know how to say that word. And it's, you know, it's a theory. It's There's, no, there's nothing substantiated. But there's some comfort in it for me because it means everything's contained. And what you were mm. just describing with the, the idea of something larger and, and a container for that something larger is really valuable and has has use but at the same time again i'm going to argue it takes out your personal accountability and agency so yeah no i i agree i feel like personal accountability is super important like you can't just hand over you know it's your responsibility to create the life that you wish to create for yourself you can't hand it over to somebody else for sure um, but I think for me, it's helpful to know that when I'm stuck, there's a bigger, there's a biggerness that can kind of help me get through it. 
<laughs> and that I'm not alone in my journey and that, you know, um, it is still my responsibility and my path to do this, but um, I'm not alone. <laughs> and my biggerness is just my higher self. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That absolutely could be. Yeah, absolutely. Higher self for sure. Yeah, trying to, you know, still learning how this all works. <laughs> learning till the day we die and go into that limbo space and yep. take another body trying to learn more. I know, exactly. Exactly. Do you have any other, any words that you want to delve into for the Wanderers? You know what? I think we covered all the basic words. I'm sure we'll find some more words. We like talking about words. I do enjoy talking about words. <laughs> Okay, so here's the thing for me, language matters. So if you can accept that language matters, if you can accept that language has a charge, then the defining of all of your terms actually matters and makes sense. And the way in which we think, the way in which we say things aloud can have an energetic impact. So to me, I'm not surprised that we're both in love with language. I mean, from a more like linguistic standpoint, I did not enjoy my linguistic class my ling my linguistic classes in undergrad when I was pursuing that anthropology degree because I didn't like understanding the history and everything but words matter like they mm -hmm. matter people always say you know actions speak louder than words I don't know how true that is for me anymore for a long time mm -hmm. I agreed but I think language matters and it's how we interpret the world and explain the world and without it we wouldn't we wouldn't know what we were doing Right. Yeah. And you couldn't change if you can't, if you know, you can change your words and then you can change. <laughs> and that's not to say that those that can't speak or um, can't hear, can't participate. We're talking about language in a much larger sense. We're not just talking mm -hmm. about the words we say. We're actually yeah, talking right. about, I would call it a lexicon as opposed to a dictionary, meaning that there's yeah. meaning imbued in what language we use. Right. I use lexicon a lot. I like lexicon. That's good. You know, we don't use that enough in common language. Oh, <laughs> wait. Spend more time with me and you'll hear it on a regular basis. <laughs> Great. All right, Wanderers, if you're ready to take that next step, feel free to follow Into the Known podcast by clicking on that subscribe button, or you can find us on social media at into underscore the underscore known on Instagram or search for us on Facebook. If you have an idea of what you want us to talk about or any questions for us, feel free to email us Cindy, C-Y-N-D-I. I know I'm weird. I'm like Cindy Lopper. Cindy at intothenown.com. And if you haven't done so already, we both highly recommend that you sign up for that free guided meditation on finding an answer on intothenown.com. Until next time, wanderers, enjoy the wander.